0: I experienced a lot of feeling like with my son, he was just in there and I don't know, whereas I felt like I felt everything the second time.
1: Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. When you imagine a beautiful home birth, what comes to mind? Everything unfolds perfectly or nearly perfectly, right? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to this week's episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking with Coco Brown. Coco is a mother currently navigating the labyrinth that is postpartum using ancestral knowledge and intuition to guide her. She is a maternal health and nourishment advocate sharing her intimate journey through home birth, postpartum, intuitive motherhood, and well-being through her online presence and hopes to deeply connect women and mothers around the world. Our story with Coco will challenge the idea that beauty is equivalent to a perfectly smooth birthing experience. As the title suggests, there will be discussion of a shoulder dystocia, so of course, please consider this as you listen. However, I do want to share that Coco is a wonderful storyteller, and she shares her experience both gently and realistically. And spoiler alert, but all went well in the end. Okay, let's jump in. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Coco, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth podcast. Oh, thank you for having me in this space. Oh, I'm honored to have you. This is going to be such a wonderful conversation. Would you mind taking just a moment here in the beginning to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners?
0: Yeah, yeah, I um, am Coco. Um, (laughs) We are a small family in Southern California. Um, And yeah, I just uh, right now I'm mothering and I am just leading my family. (laughs) As I like to say, I am the regulator and the epicenter of my family constellation. Like that's my sole focus right now. And so we're navigating young childhood and all the babies and, uh,
1: and just growing as a family. Oh, that is amazing. And I love that, that there's so much sturdiness to that motherhood experience when we are regulating and we're grounding ourselves and then, yeah, everything just kind of flows around us. That was a beautifully, beautifully put introduction. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about your birth experiences and and your pregnancy. We're going to get into an incredible home birth story. I'm so excited for you to share the details of that, Um, but let's kind of set the stage. So what was your first pregnancy experience like? How did you become pregnant? What was that like for you?
2: So my first pregnancy was with my son. He is uh, nearly four. He'll be four in November. And it was a massive surprise. (laughs) I was actually switching birth controls at the time, and I got pregnant like in the three days that I was off the pill, which i you hear like it's possible, but I actually hadn't heard a story like that. I did not have a period i like I just got pregnant, so um we were very, very shocked uh to find that out. I was very overwhelmed in that pregnancy um the mental space that I was in was difficult. I felt like I was kind of like tossed into the path of maiden to motherhood. And um I really didn't feel ready. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I just was like extremely um overwhelmed. And it wasn't that there wasn't any joy. Like, you know, I really emphasize that these things can live together. Uh, so I was joyful, but I was also so stressed out and I had just gotten to a certain level of my career and all the things. So, but my husband, when we saw the test, he was like ear to ear smiling. He was so excited. It was wild. I wouldn't have expected that response from him. So he was very involved and it was really beautiful. Um, that was definitely like our set path. Like now we know we're just like, that was crazy. He had lost his father six months prior and I really feel like it was like a soul-to-soul exchange. Um, we were due on his dad's birthday. He was a boy. He has blue eyes just like his grandfather. My husband has brown eyes. Like We're just like, what is happening? Um, mm-hmm. It was just a really beautiful story from the get-go. Um, my pregnancy was a breeze. <laughs> it was a breeze. I did not like telling people this. It was very different to poet, Um, but it was, I didn't feel sick. I felt great. Um, I was like tired, you know, I had a very normal pregnancy. Um, I did utilize an OB. She was, she's a European OB here in um, Los Angeles, up in Los Feliz. I really, I really loved her and I trusted her. Um,
0: and, yeah, it, it was a great pregnancy. I I did get the, your baby's going to be massive. Um, I'm pretty petite. And so she did, she did say my baby was going to be huge. But other than that, <laughs> it was a very average pregnancy.
1: And your expectation at that point, did you, you knew you were going to be having a hospital birth. Did you desire anything in particular or was it just kind of go with the flow? I actually did. I, I
0: didn't know that I was going to have a hospital birth. I okay. wanted to do a birth center. So we lived in a condo, um, up in Silver Lake in Los Angeles. And I just felt like I I knew I wanted a home birth, but it seemed, I just felt so thrown into the process. Like I was like, I am not prepared. I was working full time until the very end. Um, and I couldn't wrap my, head around having like my dream home birth in this condo. And I, we lived up like two flights of stairs and all the things. So, um, I was like a birth center it is. And I actually found my OB because her women's center was connected to the hospital. So she technically did not like work the hospital. She just was connected to it. So I was like, this is perfect. It promised, um, water birth and they had a tub and everything. So I'm like, I am getting all the bests. Like I feel safe in the environment that I'm with my OB in the event, something should happen as we all think, you know, I was, I didn't know a whole lot at that time. And then, um, I was able to have like the water birth of my dreams. So I was like, this is the best of both worlds. Little did I know it didn't really pan out like that rules kind of like shifted as I got there, but Um, But I did know like, okay, this is where I'm going to be from about 25 weeks is when I decided
1: that that was going to be my choice. (laughs) Okay. Yep. That makes sense. I do feel like that is something that mothers do need to recognize and just be on the lookout for is the kind of bait and switch where Mm -hmm. we think we're getting one thing like, oh, I'm getting the best of both worlds. This birth center, it's attached to the hospital or it's close to the hospital. And what ends up happening sometimes is a little different because those hospital policies tend to creep in and Mm -hmm. things just don't always work out the way that it sounds like they're going to work out.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, I I definitely learned that, that, that lesson the hard way. And also the most common way, like, you know, these, these things happen to you. And then you talk to other people, like same, 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 same. And you're like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) what in the world? Um, but yeah, it definitely was, we did like a tour and this is the tub and then this is, Oh, you can have snacks. Oh, you know, like throwing all these things around. And then, um, when it comes down to the nitty gritty, if there's anything remotely, not aligned with their policy they switch really quickly you know well you're over time well you're this well your water's been broke you know now you can't go in the tub now you can't so that's that's exactly what happened to me This the cascade of cascade of interventions (laughs)
1: let's hear how that played out what what exactly happened as you entered into your birthing time
0: yeah so i went over nine days with my son um and I went over nine days with Poet. So I'm mm-hmm. apparently just should add nine days to my due dates. You're very, um, very accurate. <laughs> consistent, consistent. Yes. So I was over, um, I got my membrane swept and just waited my labors, both just very long perdomal labor, like, mm. um, lots of zero to five centimeter being days, (laughs) like just days. And so that was totally fine. I really didn't mind it. I just didn't know where I was at. And if I should even know if I should know where I was at now, obviously I could care less. Like it doesn't just really doesn't matter. So, but, um, I got checked. I was at four centimeters. She's like, you're having a baby in 24 hours. That was on Monday. And I had him on Sunday night. <laughs> oh, so I definitely like I, my body takes its time when it comes to early labor. So my water broke. We were out to dinner. Sorry uh, to the restaurant in Fullerton that I, my water was a movie theater break gushed all over the floor. I was like, they had to put like a sign, like a caution, wet sign. I was like, this feels like a movie. We drove straight. Um, I called my OB and I asked if I could please go home. Because I had been out. I wanted to shower. I wanted to get my bags um, and make sure I didn't forget anything. And she said, no. She said, you need to come. (laughs) I was like, oh. And that was the very start of the cascade of, feeling pushed into doing something that i didn't want to do mm-hmm. and my intuition and my body said go home and rest lay in your bed get some sleep like that's what my i really truly felt in the deepest deepest parts of my bones like i just knew innately that's what i needed to do and i needed water like i was like i need i want a shower like i need to get in the shower and um and i got there and it was awful my contractions stopped They just stopped right when I got to the hospital. I had emergency um, appendix surgery when I was young. And I just like felt all of that when I got to the hospital, the birthing center was like very, very attached to the hospital. It wasn't like as separate as I thought. And, um, because my water had broken, they said that I couldn't get in the tub, which I don't remember that part. There was a lot of legality to that. um, And there was no shower. And so I'm in the bathroom on the toilet, just laboring and like, nope, nope, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. And my body just kind of shut down. And, um, and I just cried. Like, I just felt like I betrayed myself. I felt like I, yeah, I just didn't, trust myself. And, um, it was a really hard processing that birth. Mm. It took me actually years to process through it and, and forgive myself and give myself grace for not, um, not trusting my body and trusting my womb and trusting my baby. Um, so I was like, I will never do that again. (laughs) And I didn't, um, so everything happened, you know, uh, we need to push Pitocin I didn't want an epidural. So they start pushing Pitocin. I said, please don't push it over. I had done my research. I didn't want it over like five or 10. I think it goes up to 20. And I was laying down and I was resting and I, they're waking me up every, however often they want to check where I'm at. Every time they checked me, I felt massively violated Mm. and it was I ended up asking them to stop, um, because I was ri- very stuck at seven. So was, I was at seven when I got to the hospital, by the way, that should have been quick. That should have been quick. Like what my body was like, no, 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 we are not safe. We cannot have a baby here. So again, personal experience. Um, but that was my experience and that's how I felt. Um, if you feel safe in that environment. Perhaps it will pick up. Mine did not. Uh, So they pushed Pitocin. I look over. It's 18 out of 20. And I am like contraction on top of contraction. on top. I I was not getting any breaks. When people talk about I had a contraction and then I was breathing and I was sipping water and I was resting in between. What is that? When you're on Pitocin, what is that? I did not get a break. (laughs) It was just consistent. I felt like I was being ripped open and it felt really forced. I could tell that the medicine, the medication was, you know, and like they said, not, not crossing the, the blood brain barrier. <laughs> like my yes. mind was like, not getting it. My body was just going. And, um, and they said, we're giving you one more hour and then we're doing a C-section. And I was, this is at at this point, about 31 hours from six, six and a half, seven centimeters, 31 hours. So, um, I don't know. I think that that freaked me out. And so they started prepping me. They did the spinal tap. As soon as they did the spinal tap, they gave me something in my arm, which I'm not sure what it was. I know that it was a pain um, killer of some sort. I did not consent to that in my arm. It made me feel awful, but... In the end, I, I, I don't know if it was the time frame or just the spinal tap that just fully relaxed my body, but she checked me and he was like crowning. Mm. So I was like, great. So she's like, let's push. The sad part is, is at that point, I wasn't even excited to push. Like I was just like so done mm-hmm. um, and exhausted, truly exhausted. And I was starving. They didn't let me eat. So I hadn't eaten in a, a day and a half, a day and a half. I had Gatorade. Like basically poison, and so um, I pushed him out in thirty minutes. It was very quick. I didn't tear. He was beautiful. He was perfect. They were very concerned about me. I had a, ha- a hemorrhage. Um, I had a one oh three fever. My body was. I can't was not imagine why, well. <laughs> Coco.
1: Why would I that know. happen? It's so I weird. I have
0: nourishment and all these drugs in my body and. Oh, And I'm sensitive, like Mm -hmm. I'm a sensitive being, everything affects my skin and my body and my gut. And so I'm not shocked that these powerful drugs affected my body. I was like convulsing, I was Mm -hmm. puking, I was all these things. And this is after birth. Like, I'm not talking about like transition when some of these things happen innately. Like, this is like, I'm already done. And I'm, I'm supposed to be having this big rush of oxytocin and I do not feel it. Like I'm like, what are people talking about when they say it was so magical and beautiful and they felt like this wave of euphoria and like, I did not experience that. So, um, they put me back on Pitocin for 24 hours because of the hemorrhage. My postpartum experience was awful. Physically, I actually did really well. Um, my body, did great healing itself. And, um, once I was home, I was able to, yeah, it was fine. But mentally I didn't, I was so unwell, so unwell. I just felt so upset about my birth story. I felt bad for my baby. I felt a lot of guilt to be honest. And working through that has been a process. I did a lot of that, touched on that during my pregnancy with poet, because I just was like, I need to continue to release some of this, release the fear, release the, that birth release, you know, and, and find the good and shift the narrative. Um, perspective is everything. So, um, I did a lot of that work. So, um, but that's the, like, that's the story (laughs) that those are the facts. Um, I've been (laughs) able to, I've been able to find the things that I needed to find within that story. Um, but factually speaking, straight up, I was told it was going to be great. And I went to the hospital, had all the interventions despite not winning any of them. Yeah. And, um,
1: and ended up having a really rough postpartum. Right. So, yeah. So that happened. And then what was your, what was your experience in between your two pregnancies? Like, obviously you did a lot of work internally to kind of integrate this experience. Um, but anything else of note? Yeah, I, I, It that took a while. That took a while. I,
0: one of the things that was interesting was I immediately wanted another baby. Like I was, and I had to be careful because I I really had to talk to myself and, and get to the root of that truth. Like, of course we want more kids. Of course we want this, but am I pushing this because I'm ready for the redemption? Like, I didn't want to bring in another soul just because I, I needed to like jump this and just immediately have that redemptive experience. So, um, I had to be really open and honest with my own heart and head about that. Um, so I did wait, I waited 13 months. We, we did want them close in age. Um, and I worked through a lot of that. I worked through a lot of that with a, with a therapist and, Uh, made sure that we were ready. So emotionally I was ready, but physically I was not. And I did not know Mm -hmm. that. Um, I got pregnant. I ended up losing that baby at six weeks. Mm -hmm. Again, immediately was like, this is terrible. I'm just going to get pregnant right away. For a lot of people that does work out Mm -hmm. for me. My body was just not ready to carry another baby. So I got pregnant I lost that one at 12 weeks and then I got pregnant again three months later and I lost that baby at nine weeks. So three miscarriages within a year
2: mm.
0: is what ended up being my next experience between my two babies. Mm-hmm. So I really had to then go back and and do a whole lot of healing. Like I was like, I worked through my birth. Well, it turns out that I had Hashimoto's and I didn't know And I was actually not in a very healthy space when I got pregnant with my son. And the biggest takeaway in that is that I was fit, thin, um, whatever. You know, like you would look at me and be like, you seem healthy to me, but I wasn't. I wasn't nourished. I wasn't consuming enough calories. I wasn't consuming enough nutrient dense foods. I was like, trying to be like somewhat vegan and all the things. So, um, my thyroid was tanked. Like Mm. when I got it checked, it ended up being, it was deteriorating. Literally the tissue was deteriorating. So I went on a journey, a very amazing journey with healers for a year after my last miscarriage. And I worked through all the things physically and mentally. I was like, I am bringing this baby in when my body is ready, when my heart is ready, when my spirit is ready, when my soul is ready, I'm not rushing it. And, um, and I ended up getting pregnant one year later. Hmm. Like like I, I, we conceived our baby the same day, basically, um, as my third miscarriage. Wow. Lots of crazy dates in here. Yeah. My due date, like my due date for poet was also the um the date that I found out that our baby had passed the second miscarriage. Like oh, man. super like yes. All very Connected. like fluffy and, you know, mm-hmm. I I love to get a little woo woo, but <laughs> um. But this is like factual, like I yes, really did get yeah. an ultrasound. This was my due date, like I'm like, yeah. this is so wild, so that was the in between time between the two pregnancies. It was three and a half years birth to birth,
1: okay, like almost to the date wow, yes yeah. and and when you had started this, obviously, you thought it was going to be this you know first baby, and then you waited thirteen months and then second baby mm-hmm. right after, so. I'm sure that was a, a huge journey. That whole second year of releasing, relinquishing, mm-hmm. and focusing on mm-hmm. building up—that um, mm-hmm. sounds like a lot. But what a beautiful process! And it was. and I have to imagine because of where you were, this very different space when you went into this next pregnancy. What were your expectations of the birthing experience ahead? Uh, just pure beauty. Like Mm. I
0: had nothing. I wouldn't allow anything else. I I Mm. couldn't, I just couldn't go there. I, it was, it was like a very manifestation, um, (laughs) plan. (laughs) Like I was like, Nope, (laughs) this is what's happening. And I actually recorded it. Um, I worked with a hypnotherapist and, um, and we recorded it together. My birth prior to my actual birth. It is really 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 crazy how aligned it is. Mm-hmm. Besides the very last 3 minutes, I got my exact manifested birth. Very wild, which is what I've been trying to share a lot with the women in my life and any any woman who's listening is yes you can. Like yes you can. You can call out and say out exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. And and with um, with a depth that's that's true. Like, nope, this is what's happening. I am having a daytime birth. I wouldn't even say like this is what I hope for. I was like, nope, I'm gonna have her in the daytime. The sun's gonna be out. It's gonna be a beautiful day. Um, it's gonna be warm. I'm having her in my bedroom. Like, I just. Yeah. From the moment I woke up in the morning to the moment I went to bed the day of my birth, that's what the manifestation was. So we went from the moment I wake up to the moment I went to sleep and how that day it was, it was crazy how close it was. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what the, the preparation mentally, that was the preparation that I had for just staying on track with my, 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 vision of the birth from the moment I got pregnant. I already had my midwife. I I chose my midwife when I was pregnant with Emrys. I just, I wasn't in the right space to, um, switch everything. Like I remember thinking, should I do it? Should I just switch? I was like 30 something weeks when I met Lindsay, who is, who's my midwife and, uh, with Emrys, my son. Like, I was like, should I switch? Should I do it? Should I switch? She will never, she will never tell you to do something. Like, she's like, you let me know I'm here. So, um. That's the kind of wise woman
1: <laughs> that I she love. Is,
0: she is. Yes. She's very wise. Um, yep. Yeah, so, as soon as I had Emrys, I came back to her and I was like, oh, you know, and she held me and she held space and she's like, we're going to do it together. So, and she was with me through all my losses, mm-hmm which is a crazy different experience than experiencing that with an OB. i so, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. So, okay. So yeah. you have this beautiful um, mental preparation going on and you were just mm-hmm. using your imagination in such a powerful way to see what, what is going to happen. What mm-hmm. other, was there any other type of preparation that you did? It sounded like you kind of alluded to maybe more of the physical side as well.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I think that was one thing with my first, I was like, this is, this is a It's just going to like, everything's going to flow and it's just going to come naturally and I can totally like eat Del Taco and I'll be fine. <laughs> it's um, fine. <laughs> and it was fine to an extent, but it could have been m- smoother. Right. And, um, and now I know that. And so yes, with poet, I was, I was very like, I'm going to prepare this time and just mm. see if it's a bit easier. I wanted to prepare my body. Um, and especially with the nourishment, that's something that I really felt called to, um, be very diligent with, with my thyroid and my progesterone levels and just making sure, um, I was housing this baby, uh, to the best of my ability with my losses. And I will absolutely say it was, it was a game changer. Um, I do think it played a big part in the pregnancy being um, fulfilled mm-hmm. uh, you know I it, there's no there's no knowing you know I always tell other women when they ask what was it like you had three losses like what what was it but I looked at it like the rug with the snake under the rug and it's like any bump you see you're just gonna hit the bump. So I kind of approached it like that. So I was like, I'm going to do the nourishment. I'm going to see an acupuncturist. I'm going to see a chiropractor. Um, I'm going to do the physical aspect of preparation and keeping my body strong, my pelvic floor strong, Mm -hmm. um, a relaxation and rest and all the things. So I just found a way to, to change my lifestyle, Mm -hmm. um, at least during my pregnancy to be Uh, filled with boundaries (laughs) great boundaries and schedule and like I just really focused on that so I did do a lot of prep um and I did a lot of resting and I did a lot of saying no to things and uh and I kept myself in an environment where I knew I wasn't going to be um battling stress Mm -hmm. so do we always have that ability no we don't but uh, in my case, I was able to cultivate
1: that in this pregnancy, so that was really beautiful. That's amazing, and I think that to whatever extent we can do that is right, so powerful, right? I mean, of right. course, we're going to be living life. Of course, we're going to get mm-hmm. on the interstate, and somebody's going to cut us off, and we're going to feel some Absolutely. anxiety or stress. But to be able to number one, come back from that and. Regulate our bodies. And number two, just to be able to continually have it at front of mind. You know, this idea of I am a vessel for this new life. I'm going to take this seriously and I'm going Mm -hmm. to be a soft space for this baby to grow. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's. That's what yeah. it's all about. That's Lots so of regulating.
2: <laughs> Lots <laughs> oh, of regulating.
1: Yes. Name of the game. <laughs> yeah, I
0: definitely utilized that toolbox for sure. I It was a toolbox I created in between my two pregnancies and, and I was utilizing those a lot. And and that that stress resilience, right? It's like we can't yes. get rid of all the stress in our life. Mm-hmm. We all have to make an income. We all have to drive. We all have to breathe the air that we're breathing. Um, so it's all about building that resilience. And that's kind of where... The prep of the prep was, you know, in in healing, healing the body, healing the metabolism, healing the thyroid, being able to endure what I needed to during that pregnancy was, that was key.
1: (laughs) I love it. Do you have any favorite, like if you were to pick one thing that you did in order to help regulate yourself, um, do you have like a favorite that you would tell people about?
0: Oh, probably EFT tapping.
2: I used to, (laughs) I utilized
0: a lot of tapping in this pregnancy because of the loss. So Mm. I had to do, because I was constantly feeling anxious. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I hate to get graphic, but to be honest, like checking your underwear every single time you use the restroom after loss, any twinge, any whatever, your mind, it's just, it goes to that place and you have to reel it back. And sometimes the body keeps the score. If you've ever read that, it's amazing and I held a lot of that in my body. Um, I'm actually doing like somatic therapy now, which is like physical therapy, you know, for, for trauma and stuff. Um, I'm like, Oh, I wish I had this before, but tapping is kind of like a somatic therapy. Um, and so yeah, look into it. (laughs) If you've experienced any sort of trauma or loss or anything, I highly recommend EFT tapping. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's
1: probably my favorite to bring it back. That's great. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, it was life changing for me as well. So I love to yeah. hear that. Yay. Okay. So let's hear about Miss Poet. How yeah. did, how did all of this unfold? So
0: we, I was trying obviously <laughs> to have poet. Um, it was our, my first cycle. I did a, a blood ritual, um, my very last period before having her, I gave, my blood to the earth it sounds insane it's the most woo thing I've ever done but I was encouraged to do it from um, an acupuncturist I was working with and a womb healer and I was like you know what I'm into it let's do it and I just got me really close to mother earth and I was able to like really call poet in her spirit and tell her like I'm ready for you I've prepped my body for you if you're ready I'm ready and, um, and I journaled, I journaled from ovulation. So I was like, hi baby, I hope you're here. I'm waiting for you. And whenever you're ready. So that's how she started. And then I took five pregnancy tests the day that I missed my period, all negative. I oh like, boy. And I knew, I knew I was pregnant. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know I am. So I waited another five days, got a positive. I was really excited Um and basically it's pretty crazy and it is kind of a a drawn-out story because she was a twin. I did not know. I didn't know. So I actually experienced a miscarriage at seven weeks with Poet and I thought it was my fourth and I was pretty devastated. I was, you know, handling it really well with my midwife and my husband. And um my parents took Emirates for me and we just processed through it and My midwife was like, you don't, you know, she was just very like, you just have to wait. And what she was so calm. And I'm like, she's like, she like knew or something. Mm -hmm. She knew that poet was there. And I just also felt, I don't know, a pull. I really did. I was like, this isn't the end. I just know it. So I went and got an ultrasound. I wasn't planning on doing an ultrasound until 20 weeks. So I was like, Oh, okay, I'll go. I have a lot of um, PTSD around ultrasounds because of the losses. Yeah. Um, because I had ultrasounds, got the heartbeat. And then my second ultrasound was when I found out that the baby had passed away. So it was really intense. Um, I am laying on the table and I'm like shaking and crying. I'm trying to tell the ultrasound tech uh, that I have trauma, but I don't even think it's coming out. I'm like, and, um, she just turned the screen and she's like, there's your baby. <laughs> totally fine. Heartbeat's great. She's like, I don't usually do this, but she like printed a picture for me and handed it to me. I was in shock. Honestly, I kind of walked out and I even gave the photo to my husband and he was like, what? <laughs> so then she said, okay, there's a sack and some fluid and a little like say a membrane thing, like a cord or whatever. And, uh, and that's it. So, that was that. Um I was ecstatic. Uh I have told this story and people are like, "I'm so sorry," you know, and, and I'm like, "I did not know." Um and yeah, I didn't know. So, in the end, this was Poet's story and this is what she needed and to sustain two babies. You know, who knows? It's we have to remember it's it's spirit and its science. So, you know, um that was just how she came to be and we found out she was magical and healthy and a girl at 20 weeks um, at her anatomy scan. I was due at the end of April, which was amazing. Like dream baby. I'm like, I wanted a spring baby. Everything that I wanted, it was just kind of like unraveling. And yeah, did all the home birth prep. She was great. She My pregnancy was great. I was massively sick. Mm. It's not uncommon. You know, it wasn't something that scared me. It was just something that was like incredibly frustrating. I was puking for 16 weeks all day, every day, all day, every day. wasn't morning. It was just like so much. So, um, and then it was flip of a switch 16 weeks, you know, tapered. And then by 20 weeks, I was great. 20 to 40 was awesome. I was very heavy. I was massive. Um, I was like, is she gonna be huge? (laughs) Like I'm really big. My midwife would not let on that she was big, even though I know she knew she had to be a little bit big, but I had a lot of fluid too. So, um, again, another big baby. My son was eight and a half pounds on the bigger side, but he wasn't massive. Um, but yeah, so it was really beautiful. It was a great pregnancy. Um, I experienced a lot of feeling like with my son, he was just in there and I don't know. Whereas I felt like I felt everything the second time. That's probably common. Um, but I was just was like, that's a knee. I know it. And that's a Oh my gosh. And she's moving. And um, so lots of feelings. Mm-hmm. I was heavily loaded with both physical and emotional feelings mm-hmm. the whole pregnancy So we'll see if she's a she's a deep feeler like me.
1: (laughs) That's beautiful. That is it's so neat when you when you do have these things. You know, not not every pregnancy is going to be the same, but when you have that combination of both spiritual connectedness and then also the physical, which I'm sure for you, Coco in particular was really helpful and reassuring, you know, just after experiencing loss to be able to feel all of that movement and that connection. I'm sure that was really beautiful.
2: It was, it was. And I just had the one after that, the one which is 10 weeks and Mm -hmm. and then not again, I didn't want any more. And, um, so having her be crazy in there was actually really great. I don't think she went more than 20 minutes ever without like eating the crap out of me. She's (laughs) strong. She's, she's still the same. She's still just like all the kicks, all the kicks. So that is so funny. (laughs) But yeah, it was, it was very reassuring. She knew, she knew what I needed. Mm -hmm.
1: So sweet. Okay. So at the, let's, let's go towards the end of this pregnancy. Was there anything of note before we head into the birth story, like towards the end?
0: No, she was, she was late. So I was getting nervous with home birth. There's a little, space there where you're like, Ooh, you you know, do I have to go to the hospital? Same with before I was having contractions with her very early on, at least very strong Braxton Hicks. Mm -hmm. And so, so early, like 13 weeks early. Um, crazy. My uterus was like prepping the entire time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, are you just, you're really working out in there. (laughs) Um, so, um, yeah, I, once I hit that 37, then I was like, cool. I know that I'm going to be home. And then once I passed that 41, I was like,
2: Oh, am I going to be home? So
0: we were coming up on my birthday. Um, my birthday was coming up. And so, uh, yeah, I was just like, when are you coming? (laughs) It was the waiting game is very, very hard. And I want to validate anybody who's listening to this and is over 40. It's not easy. And I just want to hold space for you right now because that waiting game, you know, you got to give them their time. They're going to come. They're going to come. Give it space. Don't try and rush your baby out. Let them settle into this earth. It's a massive transition. And, you know, sometimes they need a little bit more time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So
0: that was all that was to know. I was late. <laughs> I, was, I was late.
1: You were right on time, yeah. but <laughs> you're right. You're
0: right. I shouldn't say yeah. I was late, but, but I hear ya. that 20 week in the destination and the blah, yes. blah, blah, you know, <laughs> I did, I did get in my head a little bit about mm-hmm. a potential transfer or, you know, having to going too far and, and not being able yes. to be home. So
1: It does. I I do. Oh, that is one of the things that frustrates me the most, to be honest, is just these timelines and the way that even, you know, you hit 40 weeks and you can already start wondering, oh no, oh no, am I going to? And the stress that that adds to our body, it's really, really frustrating. Um, So- I I just, that's, that's so hard for me. And I know that anyone that has been in that position, you know, exactly what that's like, that feeling of not having any control, knowing that your baby is going to come when your baby is ready to come. And yet we still have these outside factors um, that, that are causing frustration. That's really hard.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, that's our, that's our world, right? Is Mm -hmm. the click of a finger, the, you know, whatever it's, Everything's right there. Everything's quick. Everything's rushed. Everything's, you know, how can we do this efficiently, but as quickly as possible in almost every sense of life. So slowing down has been a massive lesson this Mm -hmm. whole journey, honestly, from the first pregnancy after my son till I had Poet, absolutely embracing uh, the slowness of it. I love it. So take a breath, (laughs) take a bath. And just take a breathe. breath
2: and a bath. I love it. Take a breath, take a bath,
0: <laughs> listen to a podcast
2: <laughs> and just allow your baby to move down.
1: Yeah, that's perfect. So we're, so you've been having well, Braxton Hicks slash, it sounds like you also had kind of prodromal. Did you have prodromal did. labor again with this? Yeah. Totally. Really rough.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. It was a good
1: two weeks, two oh. weeks of,
0: yeah. Every day my husband's like. He would go like get us a coffee and tell the coffee, you know, barista like, Oh, she's in labor and then he'd be back the next week and the barista's like, Where's your baby? Like I'm like, babe, stop telling people that we're out, that I'm in labor.
1: <laughs> but
0: you know. <laughs> it was a it was an experience. He he learned a lot too in this home birth process.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's amazing. So, so okay, so as we get towards that nine days after <laughs> Forty weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what was this story like? How did it did it unfold?
0: Well, so I, I had made the decision kind of late that I just wanted my husband and my midwife. I actually wanted two midwives: um, a friend that's also a midwife, and then my midwife, and then my husband. That's what I manifested. And so uh, that was really beautiful um, to to have that decision made because I had been waffling my whole pregnancy. Like, should I get a doula? Should I not? Um, I feel like doulas are incredibly helpful. Um, I'm a massive advocate for them. I think in my personal story and the way that I am as a person, um, it would have been more helpful in an environment where I needed advocacy. Whereas Mm -hmm. like in my home, I kind of I kind of was okay. And I felt comfortable that my, I knew that my midwife would, would, um, step in, in that place if I needed it. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I ended up choosing not to after interviewing them and everything like I was, it was very waffling. So I chose not to, um, in the end I felt very ready. I was like, okay, I'm ready but I kept having my son. Obviously he lives with me. So that makes sense. And I kept having contractions. And then if I had to be a mommy and jump in, they would stop. I think also very common, Mm -hmm. which is why I think a lot of women end up laboring and having their babies at night. Mm -hmm. And so, and I did not want to night labor. So, um, I ended up sending, my son away on may 5th it was cinco de mayo and my birthday was the following day may 6th so i was like can you please take him i just want a date with my husband it's my birthday and they were like 100 percent, yes so they took him overnight that night at 10 p.m with a little nipple stimulation they my contractions started to get stronger and so and by little i mean a lot you gotta really get in there (laughs) They don't tell you that (laughs)
1: a (laughs) lot.
0: You really got to keep it going (laughs) for like 30 minutes. So that ended up working for me. Um, and also again, him being out of the house, the house was quiet and labor just kind of picked up. So I was like, Oh oh my gosh, what's happening. Texted my midwife. I got in the bath because I was like, I don't want this to speed up as 10 PM. And I was like, i just, I don't, I want sleep. So I asked my body and my baby to wait and I got in the bath and I just kind of slowed it down and then I got in bed and I slept on and off for about six hours. So I feel like that was really fortunate. Yeah, Um, It was very on and off. I was definitely having some, some good searches in there, but, um, but I was able to get rest and I was so excited. I woke up the next morning, like pretty determined, totally forgot it was my birthday. (laughs) Like I had to kept... I kept reminding myself throughout the day, like, oh my gosh, it's my birthday. This is so weird. My husband forgot it was my birthday. I forgive him. like <laughs> <Yeah>. um, stimulating <laughs> <laughs> circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> no card, no nothing. I'm like, do you love me? <laughs> um he went and got like some birthday pastries and stuff. But it was yeah. it was it was taking off. They were my contractions were just fifteen minutes apart, pretty consistently. So I was like I really didn't know. I wasn't like, I'm having a b- birthday baby. I had no idea when she was going to come because they were, they were getting stronger. They just were very spread out. They were 15 minutes apart, if not sometimes 20. So, um, and then I just labored exactly how I wanted to. I labored around my house. I went on a walk. I did, um, I did do the miles circuit. I did that a couple of times just with, for positioning, um, I really liked that a lot. It gave me purpose, and I felt like it kept me kind of in a routine. Um, and I bounced on the ball. I had a playlist. Uh, you can find it on my Instagram. Mm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just – I tried to eat. I ate as much fresh fruit. That's all I really wanted was fresh fruit um, and salami. And I had some protein. And um, And then – it was so nice laboring at home. Can we just stop and just talk about that for a second?
2: <laughs> it was so amazing. Mm. I was like
0: eating and drinking water and like I was napping. Mm. I, was, I wasn't I was pushing. I was like, I am tired. I am following my body. When I got tired, I would lay down and I would just nap. Mm. And then I would get up and my contractions would slow down. And that happens and that's okay. And then I would get up and I would start moving again when I felt ready. And the quiet and the natural sunlight and all the things that keep me kind of in my space, I was really able to be intuitive with my laboring and follow what I needed, whether that was energy or hunger or you know sleep or water, getting in the shower, getting in the bath, whatever it may be. Counter pressure. um, listening to those things, it, it was a, a totally different experience than the hustle and bustle of the hospital. Um, there's a lot of argument about like safety and whatever. And I get that, but also one massive <laughs> other than having like a million interventions, it's busy. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's loud and it's busy and they're coming in and you know, you can turn off the lights and you can put on music, but it's just, it's never going to be home. It's just not. So I felt so relaxed and I could, I could really tune in, um, to what baby needed and what I needed. And it was beautiful.
1: So yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That sounds, sounds very different from last time. (laughs) Very, very different. Yeah, it was. Okay. So at this point you've been, you've been laboring for a little while. When did your Mm -hmm. birth team arrive? What was that like? Yeah. So I,
0: I think it was like maybe three-ish around three or 4 PM. I was getting tired. I felt like a little bit defeated, but I think it was just physical exhaustion. My surges and my, whatever you want to call them, my contractions, they were, um, they were really long and they were really strong and they were getting tiring. (laughs) And I think, you know, I, I, in the moment I remember feeling defeated, but I think it was really just, I was just tired. I just needed to lay down. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I did, I was like, I'm going to go lay down. I had just gotten out of the shower. So I went in and laid down on a towel and I put the pillow in between my legs on my left side and kind of started to do like, the miles circuit in a way, um, at least part of it again. And I was like, maybe I'll just start this again. And I had a massive pop and I didn't know if it was my water because it hurt. It did hurt. It was like, it was just shocking. And I had it exactly with my son at seven and a half, eight centimeters. And it was with my son. It was the start of transition. Mm-hmm. Same exact thing happened. So now I'm like, if there's a third, I know exactly what this is, but I did kind of feel that in the moment I was like, I remember this with Emrys, and it freaked me out. Nobody talks about this, but like sometimes when they drop, it's really intense and it makes oh, yes. like a really big, like hit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was shocking. I was like, you know, I was, I was, I was shocked by it. And so I ran back to the shower because with my son, what happened was that was the moment it switched into transition and got really intense, but also like really close together. So I hopped in the shower and immediately they were like a minute apart. I just went full force into transition, which side note was my greatest fear my entire pregnancy. My greatest fear was like transition because with my son, it was, I was stuck in transition. And so I was just like, and it was so intense with the Pitocin as well.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, And no epidural. It was just crazy. Transition in my head was like, this is going to be the hardest part. This is going to be so crazy. I'm going to walk through the fire. You know, that's the, the, the point that I was really building up in my mind through the pregnancy and having to work through obviously bring it back down. (laughs) And so I just was so focused. I will say my greatest advice is definitely focus because, um, it can be very overwhelming transition. It's kind of crazy. So I was on hands and knees in the shower and, um, I didn't want anything. I just wanted to focus. I was like, I don't counter pressure. Didn't seem to be doing anything. My labor with my son was all in my back and my hips with poet all in the front like pelvic bone, hips in the front, and belly. So what a difference. It was so weird, very different. Um, but it definitely felt more visceral than my my sons felt like. I could really feel it in my bones. Whereas with her, it felt a little bit more outwardly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just was focused. And I was like, I just kept, which we have this all recorded but i i was talking to myself and that was amazing i was like basically yelling but i was like in this deep guttural voice i was like i am an ocean i am an ocean i am an ocean i don't know why i never practiced that i never thought about that like it was just it just came to me because wow. i kept imagining the waves like they're just waves and you can't drown if you are the ocean like i just like kept thinking that in my mind like you're not drowning. You're just, this is it. This is totally normal. She's coming down. She's, you know, and all these positive thoughts and affirmations, but I couldn't say anything except for I am in an ocean. (laughs) Like that's all that could come. That's beautiful. I love it. (laughs) It was great. It was great. It was great. Probably for like two hours. Just, I am an ocean. I am an ocean. (laughs) And, uh, there was a little tiny piece of lint on my rug, and I just was like hyper focused on the lint. At one point, Jamie came over and tried to remove. Like he was like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "Don't move it. That's my focal point. <laughs> I'm focused." And um, it was kind of hilarious. Like I have some clips of of my birth video and stuff online, and it's it's really funny. We had a blast. We had so much fun. My husband was hilarious. He felt at ease. Like we were just having the best time. Um, and so that's when my midwife came. So luckily I had told her to come just before I laid down. So she was on her way. So she showed up, um, at, I want to say it was like five ish. Yeah. I want to say it was about five and she came and she walked in and she's like, Hi, and I had planned to be like, "Hey," <laughs> so, but I was. She showed up at the end of transition, so I was like really in it. Like, I'm like, "Hi, hey," like <laughs> kind of trying to be cool, and um, and I just was like, "Can I get in the tub?" I'm feeling like pushy, and she was like, "A 100% follow your instinct." She's very much like you lead, so she helped me get in the tub, and we just sat there, and I just started balling and she was like hey like happy tears or what's going on and I'm like happy tears happy tears I just can't believe I'm here this is so insane and I just knew I was at 10 I knew I just knew it I could I did need to be checked she never once checked me never um so I never got checked that entire time and Besides, um, I sent a picture of my butt crack to her at one point because of the, the purple line. The purple line. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, you're probably about a five or a six. I was like, just curious. That purple line is so awesome. Um, so I'm just sobbing in the tub. And I'm just like, everything is flashing. The miscarriages, the hospital birth the ultrasounds, finding out she was a girl. Like I'm just having all of these things just wash over me in the waves. Like as the waves are coming, I'm just physically processing these things and I can feel everything just flowing through me. And for the first time in my life, I'm not like perseverating on any one thing. I've always had anxiety since I was very young dealt with like a very severe anxiety disorder, tried many different medications, you would think that I would be anxious and I just wasn't. I was mm. just like taking it in. Um, I still ask questions. I still roared. I still said, this effing hurts. <laughs> like they're, you know, like I just don't want anybody to, to, to beat themselves up if they have these moments in their birth where they're like, ah,
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
0: It is like it, it is, it's intense. It's very intense. It's a different kind of, you know, experience pain-free birth. You know what? I am so happy for you. That was not my experience. I did have, it was intense and it wasn't anything more than I could handle. Like I was killing it. Yeah. (laughs) And,
1: And I do think it's so important to recognize pain free if that's what you have and if that's your experience that's wonderful if yeah. it's not that's wonderful like yeah there's so much to to glean from whatever your birth experience is and sometimes i do mm-hmm. feel like we're seeking something that's you know it's got to be pain free it's got to be whatever and there's so much left on the table when we don't realize
0: mm-hmm.
1: any way that this is experienced can be used you know, it can be integrated and used so beautifully for our entire motherhood experience. so I, mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it it, it flows right into motherhood, doesn't it? These things mm-hmm. of these trial and error and you know, we swaddled and ours didn't cry. That's amazing. We didn't swaddle and ours didn't cry. That's amazing. Take all of that in. Take it all in and find what works for you. You are the maker. You are the mother. You are the epicenter. You it's, it's you, you're, you're doing it and take it all in, try all the things, whatever works for you. You know, you get your baby out, Who you get your baby out. And, um, and that's going to be the way. And the way is the way there is no way it's just the way. (laughs) So, um, and I went there, I definitely went there. I was loud and, um, I wasn't expecting that, but, looking back, I'm like, that was awesome. I was like a lion. Like I was like just roaring. And, um, I really wanted to like breathe my baby out. That was something I manifested (laughs) that did not happen. (laughs) I was not breathing her out. I really had to push. Like I was like, my body was pushing so intensely that I had to go with it. Like I was like, I'm I'm pushing. And my was like, it's fine you know, it's, it's, this is, this is your way. Like, this is the way. Well, turns out she was massive. So I really needed to push her out of my body. Um, I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I I can't quite get comfortable in the tub. And I'm sure in my head, I'm thinking I'm not supposed to be comfortable. So it's probably fine, but I'm just like, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm, I just feel like something like I'm pushing so hard and I've been pushing over an hour now. Mm. And, um, And she's really making her way, but I'm like, and I, and I mentioned something, which is so crazy, but I'm like her shoulders, I actually was talking to her. I was like, your shoulders are killing me. Like, I was like, wow, I can really feel her shoulders. And I think right then, definitely both my midwives knew um, that this could be something that I would need help with. So I'm pushing and I'm like, it felt to me like what I would imagine a cervical lip feels like. Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually did have my midwife check because I was like, is something stuck? Like I'm pushing and she's not coming out and it's my second kid. And I thought she was supposed to like fly out, you know? And that was an expectation. Again, no expectations, people (laughs) just release them. But that was my expectation of a second or third child. It's like the pushing part's going to be easy. And this was a special circumstance, but you know, it's, it's just a different story. So I'm pushing and she's like, Nope, no lip, her head's right there. And I'm, I can feel her head. And so I did like a really good push and my water broke, Uh. which is crazy because that's something I manifested. I was like, I want my water to break when I'm pushing. I didn't with Emrys. I felt like my water broke so early. And I thought maybe that was why my contractions were so intense with him. Turns out they were still pretty intense with Poet and my water (laughs) hadn't broken. So it doesn't really matter. But um, so my water broke. That felt so good because I did have a lot of fluid. So that release of some of that fluid was actually really great. And then um, I was able to get her head out. And I'm like laying there in the tub, her head's out. She got stuck at her eyes. Then she got stuck at her nose. Then she got stuck at her her neck. And mm-hmm. right when I got her head now kna- at head out, um, she turtled, which means that her head went back in, but it couldn't go all the way in. So it was kind of at her mouth mm-hmm. and, um, and it, it really quickly shifted from like excitement to, to kind of scary because my midwife, I didn't know what was going on. I was just doing what I was supposed to be doing, which was just pushing but my midwife just jumps in the pool mm. with me, clothes on, everything, just sticks her hands inside. And she just starts like maneuvering her poet. And she's, she's guiding me. And my midwife is extremely um, intuitive and also very calm mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like maintains an aura of like rainbow unicorn cloud space that's so calming and you just you just want to be in it and you just want to rest in it this was not that this yeah. was my all my knowledge as a midwife all of my knowledge in shoulder dystocia, all of my medical training. Now's the time, you know, and she just hopped in. She became that person that she needed to be. She put on that hat really quickly and she was yelling. (laughs) She was like,
1: you can do this push,
0: you know, and I'm like pushing And the other midwife, Ashley, she actually had to then also, like, lift my stomach and help baby out from my tummy. And um, it was really intense. Three minutes. Three minutes. Just three minutes of that whole entire beautiful labor got a little scary. She helped her out. She got stuck at her chest. Yeah, she's a big girl. (laughs) She's a big girl. We see still a big girl. Um, She got stuck in her chest like her little boobies. (laughs) And both midwives are pulling her out and giving her to me, obviously. And she's completely blue, purple, blue. And I'm like, is she okay? And she's looking at me. She went right back into magical unicorn cloud space and was calm and was like, she's doing great. I can feel her heart. Her heart is on my hand. Her heart is beating. She just needs, this was intense for her. Like it was not just you. It was intense for her. Right. <laughs> Talk to her, you know, and I'm, and I'm talking to her and I'm like doing kind of just innate things. Like I'm like blowing on her and kissing her face and, you know, putting my mouth all over her and stuff like that. And, um, and yeah, she just like takes her big breath and she's, her eyes are open. She was like born with her eyes open, which I also manifested crazy. She's got these big blue eyes and, um, and we all just kind of sit and like, we're all coming down from like a very intense three minutes. Like my Mm -hmm. husband is shaking. My midwife is now holding my husband. Like she's like holding him and like holding his hands and like, she's regulating him she is clearly the regulator of her family <laughs> and everybody she's the, she's just a regulator in general, so she's regulating my husband. My other midwife is regulating me, and we're just like just massive regulation. It was the most amazing space I've ever been in. Oxytocin came over me. I had the most amazing support. It still brings me to tears like it's how me they me to were, tears <laughs> it was it was just like. <sighs> That would have been so freaking traumatic in a hospital. You and I both know that. Like, that would have been so much trauma for, for Poet, mm-hmm. for, you know, if you don't know what they do when they have children to show, we're not even going to talk about it because it's not good. It's It's really scary. She got her out. Zero harm. They got us safe. They gave me my birth. Like, it's funny because when she talks about birth, my midwife, like she's like, I didn't do it. Like It was you. People always say, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And she's like, it was you. In this circumstance, I was like, thank you so much. She was like, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the thank you this time because <laughs> I definitely did have a part in it. <laughs> Will accept. It was so intense. Yes. She was like, I'm going to accept the thank you this time because yes, it was like very much a team effort and Poet mm-hmm. had the most amazing guides. Mm. Like she had her mommy, but then she also had these amazing angel women Mm -hmm. who came beside me, took on my energy and, and let me lead, you know? And I still sometimes like, after I was like, you got her out. And she's like, I didn't get her out. You got her out. I just had to guide her. She just had to truly unlock her shoulder. Like she said it was all the way up. And usually with shoulder dystocia, she's like she she'll put her hand in and she can kind of feel it right there. She's like, uh-uh, it was all the way up at my pelvis. So
1: she oh really had to unlock.
0: Her. She came out and we were all like, She's twelve pounds. She's twelve pounds. She was massive. Like, she was she was a big girl. That raw milk really grew her. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> Wow. Um, we were convinced she was twelve pounds and yeah, and she she pooped and she just like did her thing, just laying here. She immediately started eating. I wanted to do the breast crawl on my bed. Nope. Poet was like, uh-uh, you've been so feeding me this starving. whole time. I just worked very hard. <laughs> so she latched. She's been an amazing um nurser ever since. A very redemptive experience from my sons. Um and I, I got out and they helped me to the bed and my bed was five steps away from where I had, I actually, I'm sitting, I had to sit here, but I'm sitting where I had poet in my bedroom. I was like, I have to do the podcast sitting exactly where I had her so I can just like feel the energy again. And, um, it was really, really beautiful. And, and truly the takeaway really is like something that could have been very traumatic, or maybe even some people would look at the facts and be like, wow, that's just really traumatic. Um, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, it was, it was so, so beautiful. And the biggest fear, right. is like, what if something happens? And I think there's like a definite underestimation of like the training of midwifery. Um, you know, we assume that these women are just like, you've had a baby, so now you can just help me deliver one. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> they have extensive training and oftentimes, sometimes more than
1: than some
0: obese. Um, let's well, get real with about physiological that. birth
1: for sure. I mean, how yeah. many obese have even seen true untouched birth? Not yeah. many,
0: and with sh- uh, shoulder dystocia. Without breaking the collarbones, without intervening, without cutting, without, I mean, and even my midwife was like, this is like once or twice a year for her that she sees shoulder dystocia. It's it's, it's not common, but, um, and I had shoulder dystocia and my mom had shoulder dystocia. Oh my word. So my mom was pulled out with forceps. My, I was suctioned out. And then Poet was helped out. Mm. And we all have the same birthday. You're kidding me. Nope. I was born like an hour before my mom's birthday. Poet was born on my birthday. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Some serious, some serious lineage trauma healing. Like, Wow. I know that's what it was. Like a poet came and we were like, Mm-mm, this anxiety okay. ends here. Like we're the shoulder are ends this. here. Like,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whoa. Oh my God. Isn't that goodness. wild? Oh, it's incredible. It's
0: so oh crazy. gosh.
1: I just feel like, you know, this is, this is the perfect example of the beauty of midwifery of having mm-hmm. someone, or you had in your case, two, two midwives who, You really trusted, and you knew they weren't intervening just for the sake of intervening. They had, they had been there, waiting, watching, and then were able Mm -hmm. to step in when it was truly necessary. And I think that that is the picture. That's that's what midwifery is supposed to be: is that beautiful, wise, knowing. You mentioned specifically your your midwife clearly has such a strong intuition, and there she sat. Mm waiting, holding space. And then when she needed to support you and to support Poet, she had those tools. She had that capability. That is it. That is is it. Mm -hmm. Oh, chef's
0: kiss. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh, I feel so so insanely blessed, truly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think everyone's fear that pops up when they think about having a home birth or even the, the reason why a lot of people don't do it is because, well, what if, and it's, well, what if you, I mean, it really is just that, like we're putting too much power in the what if to take it and say, what if, okay, what if there's, there's what ifs at the hospital. There's what ifs, what there's what ifs before the day before you want to labor. There's, there's life is filled with what ifs. And yes. And ultimately, you know, of course I'm going to be an advocate for home birth but also, I'm an advocate for your own tui- intuition, like yes, and in you following what you need to do, mm-hmm. I made the decision to have my son at a, at a hospital you know center area out of fear mm-hmm. I, it was it was fear led and difference. and that's the difference. Had I said, "I actually feel great at a hospital, I love my doctor." I totally want uh an epidural, you know, whatever. That's great. Go there, like that's it. But mm-hmm. if you want a home birth, even 20% of you follow that, follow that voice. You know, make yourself comfortable. You feel uncomfortable, then listen to more podcasts. That's what I did. Listen to more, speak with more midwives, get more information you know fill yourself up so that you can make that informed decision
1: I and I let that, that and let that voice speak you know right Get, just give it the space to yeah. to give yourself the space to really Listen and hear mm-hmm. you know if you don't give mm-hmm. your intuition the opportunity to bloom, then we're going to miss out, so if we give it the opportunity, then we can really hear, okay, what is right for me in this situation mm-hmm. should i be Should I be at the hospital? Should I be at home? Should you know who's mm-hmm. going to be at my birth? All of these things. Yes. If we give ourselves the space for our intuition, that's what makes the difference absolutely, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so my question here, as we as we begin to wrap up, would be, what did you notice in terms of postpartum after poet this time around? Uh, was there any difference uh, between those postpartum experiences?
0: Worlds, like worlds, difference. Um, physically, I actually had a harder time with Poet, but that's to be expected. <laughs> she was much bigger. She was 10'2", by the way, for the mm. for anyone wondering. Um, she was 10'2", uh, like nearly 23 inches. What so, yeah. on earth? She, oh, and then for midwives or anyone who's like in the birth realm, I think they said her head and her chest were 16 inches. Oh, my word. 16 and a half. <laughs> oh, my 16 God. and a half. And so that's why she got stuck at her at chest. Her too. chest. Because her oh no, sorry, her shoulders and her chest were both um 16 and a half inches. She's just Anyways. A barrel. She was yeah, so she was just like there was no like, oh, once you get the shoulders out, it's like slits out. Like right. she was the mm-hmm. same no. way, so it was like, oh, okay keep going (laughs) and that was obviously totally (laughs) fine but um that's so funny (laughs) so funny yeah she's a chunk of muffin and she still is and I'm obsessed with it like she's a massive breast milk baby that just devours um and yeah anyways okay so physically it was harder um and and that's just to be expected with what happened mentally, oh my gosh, it was a dream. It was a dream. I had such a hard time with my first. I think that people don't realize like the power of baby blues. I have a a severe oxytocin drop during letdown, which is common with some women. So every time I have a letdown, I feel like my world is crumbling and I get extremely emotional. Um, so with my son, I was like, my world is crumbling. Like I genuinely didn't know that this was a hormonal response. Mm. So it was just, just the knowing, just the knowing helped a lot. I really let everything flow this time, whatever came, like I just let it flow through me. It was, I just kept on with the ocean vibe I
1: love <laughs> and that. just
0: really like, if it if I felt really emotional I would take my baby blues tincture and then I would just rest in it and I would allow myself to just feel it and I would cry um but it wasn't with my son it was so much sadness and with poet it was so much I can't believe it's over like Mm. it was more it was happy tears it was I'm not ready for this to be a memory. Like I just remember sobbing and texting my midwife and I was like, "I'm not ready for it to be a memory." She's like, "It's been 2 days, my love." Like <laughs> it's not a memory. It's you're still there. We're still in it. Like I'm here with you and mm-hmm. having somebody hold space for you day in day out postpartum. That's what my midwife did and I don't know how she has the capacity she does to love on as many people as she does. She just has like endless amounts of love for mm-hmm women and human beings. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very inspiring. It's, it's inspired me to open up my heart more and Mm. allow more, more, um, love to flow to others. We have so much to give anyway. So lots of tears, but like very happy. Like I was Mm. so, they, they were happy tears. They were processing tears. They were, um, I had a lot to process too, because of, you know, we, it was two and a half years to get to this baby from the moment we decided to start calling in a second, it was two and a half years. So that's a long time. We had kind of a lot to, it was an intense journey. Um, and that will happen too. Um, if anyone here is listening that, that has experienced loss and then, and then a baby, it's, it feels very long. You have like more to process because it's mm-hmm. your pregnancy and then maybe an end and then another pregnancy. And so from that time, it's um just allow it to, to flow and, and, you know, let it come in and out. It felt very stuck with my son. I felt very, I felt very much like I was drowning. I had very little support. I didn't meal prep. (laughs) I didn't rest. I didn't do any of that. Um, I went a very ancestral, like innate route this time postpartum. And I was like, do not come into my bubble, protect the bubble, protect the bubble. I stayed in the bubble for four weeks. I was in my bedroom,
1: Yes. Yep. Oh, I yep. love it, Coco. That's what I did this past time, and it was it's the it best. was everything.
0: <gasps> okay, so I'm actually getting certified right now to be a postpartum doula because I'm so passionate about postpartum. Yes. Like I'm like so 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 passionate, and I'm like I need to take all of this and run with it. And this is something that's in here and maternal health. We need this. We need this so much. Stay in bed. Stay in yep. bed do not cook, eat the nourishing meals, you know, don't, don't go to In-N-Out, like have the curry, you know, have some curry, have some chicken, um, stay hydrated, stay warm. I did all the things. I was like, I'm in my robe. I have my socks on. Um, I accepted the care when offered. Hey, can I come over and do your laundry? Yes. Yep. Come do it. I'm happy. Can I hold your baby? No, not right now. This is our bubble. I just had her. She's three weeks old, not today, another time. Definitely. You know, I was so good about that. And so, um, yeah, it was amazing. I loved it. I I loved it. it. And it's so hard. I'm not, I don't want to sit here and be like, it's not easy if you're just resting. No, I still had to relearn breastfeeding. I still Mm -hmm. had to, she was very upset for the first six weeks. She Mm -hmm. was very mad. I ended up doing, um, sacral therapy, Mm. um, with her because of the shoulder dystocia. And she, she definitely had some, some stuff like she has her shoulders still click. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we had to do a lot of regulating together. Um, and that was really great. And then week nine, nine is the number symbolizing completion. So at week nine, I did closing of the bones And it was amazing. A closing of the bones ceremony for those who don't know is, is quite literally what it sounds like. (laughs) Like, um, I had the midwife, my midwife friend, Ashley, she came and, um, and she, she wraps you and basically squeezes very, very tight and closes your bones. It feels amazing after birth. It feels amazing. And you just process through, um, the journey and, and that helped a lot. So, if there's some lingering <laughs> processing from a birth, I highly recommend looking into Closing of the Bones. It was really beautiful. And it was beautiful for a poet, too. Um, that was about the time that she also, like, had that turnaround. Common of the age, but that nine-week kind of turnaround of um, settling into that, uh, that that tummy stuff, basically. Yeah. You know? So Wow.
1: Coco, this has been... Full completion. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what a beautiful story. What an incredible journey that you have taken us on. And there are so many aspects that I know I'm going to want to cover in the episode roundup <laughs> because you have just stirred so much within me. And I know that Aww. this is going to be such a, of such benefit to the listeners. So Coco, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's something I was looking forward to so much. And I'm I just honestly feel so honored that you invited me into this space and and allowed me to 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 voice things that
1: I'm feeling passionate about. Oh, thank you, Coco. Thank you. How wonderful was Coco's story. As we head into today's episode roundup, I have so many topics on my mind that I would love to delve into further. I tried to narrow it down to three main points. So number one, imagination. Many of you know that I view the world through a biblical lens and something that's been on my mind for the last few months and that relates in such a special way to this episode is this idea of the imagination. Just like Coco shared how she took time to deeply envision her birth experience and so much of it happened the way that she would put thought to Lately, I've been reflecting on how the Lord uses our imagination for our good and His glory. We were given this ability to imagine, to see things in our mind, and it is such a gift. We're called to renew our minds and spirits and to think on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Using our imagination to renew the mind and think on these things in our day-to-day life that's the stuff of miracles. So use your imagination. Think on your pure, excellent, praiseworthy birth, mama. Next, I want to focus on how between her first pregnancy and birth and her most recent, Coco learned to lean into her intuition and to truly listen to it. This is what led her to choose to give birth in her own home and to choose a midwife who truly embodied what that word is supposed to mean. Someone who trusts, believes in physiological birth and who is there to wisely step in when the time is right. As Coco told this part of the birth story, I pictured these three women with Coco as the spearhead, along with her two midwives flanking either side, supporting her, keeping her safe, but always recognizing Coco's lead. That's what this relationship is all about. And finally, a word on integration. Coco's journey from first pregnancy through her most recent birth has been full of ups and downs, triumph, troubles, and labor is a microcosm of this very experience. I loved her labor depiction. I am an ocean. Oceans are many things, mighty, flowing, majestic, serene, cataclysmic, and tranquil. What a wonderful analogy for the process of integration, Taking all of the aspects of her journey thus far, breaking them down, and then building back up together. Letting it all wash over her in waves. And like waves, the integration of an experience ebbs and flows. It's not all at once. But this ability to take our experience and pull it into our being, absorbing the meaning and allowing it to transform us, that is an abundant gift to ourselves and our families alike. Okay, my friends, what a beautiful story. That's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Podcast.